What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 31, and it's September 2nd, a Wednesday in beautiful Southern California. And here you go. You're probably asking yourself, what in the hell is this guy going to talk about today? And there's going to be lots of NBA discussion because it's been absolutely off the walls amazing. The absolute stars that have come out of the woodworks for this thing, the amount of scoring that has happened in these games, it's out of this world. You couldn't have expected it. And there's a couple of guys I want to shout out in this bubble right now. Because I'm rooting for them. And I'm a Laker fan and you guys might be mad about it. Because I'm about to say who I want to get to the NBA Finals. I'm going to come clean. It's a guy I've watched for a couple of years now and I think he's an absolute star. I think he's got a future MVP in the works. And then there's another guy that I think I'm coming around on. I think I saw the best game of the bubble this far two days ago. And I'll let you know about it. And then maybe we'll talk about baseball. Entering its final month of the shortened 60-game season. And the trade deadline was on Monday. That's right, August 31st. Usually it's on July 31st. Usually it's my favorite day of the year. Because the Dodgers, one year they get Manny Machado. One year they get you Darvish. One year they get Rich Hill. They always seem to make the move that's going to put them over the edge. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. And this year, they decided, hey, we've got the best team in baseball. There's no moves to be made. We're going to win this damn thing with the team we have assembled. And then there's other teams. A team I talked about about two weeks ago that I said might have scared me a little bit. They're going all in. The San Diego Padres went all in on the trade deadline. I think made 15 different trades. Got Mike Clevenger, who would have been a third or fourth starter on the Dodgers. He's going to be number one for them because they don't have shit in that rotation. And I ain't scared. They're five games back in the NL West. The Dodgers are looking to run away with that thing. And we get into the postseason. If we play the Padres, good luck. You still don't match up. And then the NFL. We're a week out from the NFL season starting. And I couldn't be more stoked because this past weekend, it's tradition. Me and the buddies got together and had our fantasy football drafts. Did I do my homework? A little bit. I did a little bit of homework. And even if I didn't do any homework, I still think I ended up with two of the best damn teams. We had two drafts in one day. I'm still not a fan of that. It's too damn long. But all the beers I drank, all the barbecue I ate, it was all worth it to get back with the bros. Hell of a time. And I always say it. No one wants to hear about your fantasy team. But maybe I'll tell you guys a few of the players I drafted. A few sneaky dudes who I think might have big seasons. But let's start with the NBA. We're currently starting. We've already started the Eastern Conference second round playoffs. We've already played two games between the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors. That second round matchup. We played one game between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. And on the Western side, the Clippers and Lakers had to wait. The Lakers lost that one game to the Blazers and then blew by and played five games total. Said, let's not worry about these guys. Let's give them one game and then freak everyone out and say, hey, we are who you thought we were. We've got two of the biggest stars in the game, two of the best players in the game. We're going to blow them out. 
And then the Clippers, they kind of got nervous. I think, I truly believe they got nervous about Luka Doncic, the kid in Dallas. And he took them to six games and hit that buzzer beater two weekends ago. That was absolutely amazing in overtime. He was the star of the bubble. And the Clippers, they have their matchup. Because last night, the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets finished out a seven-game series. A phenomenal one at that. Because Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, if you didn't know about them then, you know about them now. They went absolutely berserk. They were making shots that I don't think Steph Curry. I mean, it was Steph Curry-esque. Steph Curry's my guy. Greatest shooter to ever live. I mean, they were making shots that Steph Curry makes when he's on his run. Jamal Murray went for 50 points. The next game went for 42 and then another 50. It was the most points scored in a three-game span in playoff history. Donovan Mitchell had two 50-burgers. Just across the board, the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets gave us one heck of a series. And they're kind of two teams that you don't go out of your way to watch. But shout out to Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray for giving us that show. And last night in Game 7, it was a low-scoring affair, which is rare in the bubble. And Donovan Mitchell had his chance. Denver was up 80-78. to Donovan Mitchell got the ball in the final possession, turned it over. Denver ran it down the floor with the final seconds, went for a layup to try to extend it to a four-point lead. Off the rim, Utah got it back in the final seconds, threw it over to Mike Conley for three, threw it up, in and out, season over. Utah Jazz eliminated from the bubble. The Denver Nuggets get the chance to take on the Clippers in the second round. And I think the Clippers will win. I don't think it's going to go seven. I think if we're lucky, it'll go six, but I see the Clippers winning in five. The Western Conference is setting up what we thought all year it was going to set up to be, and that's Clippers versus the Lakers. And you could look at it a bunch of different ways. Who did the Clippers want to play? The Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz? I think they want to play the younger Denver Nuggets team. And Jamal Murray, for all the points he scored in the first round, it's going to be tough to get those against Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris Sr. They've got dudes to throw at them. And that's why the Clippers are a threat. When they want to, they could lock it down. And then on the other side, the Lakers await a game seven that will be played tonight between the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder. That's been a good one too. I don't think a lot of people expected this to go the distance. But it has, and it has for one reason. This past off season, the Houston Rockets, with Chris Paul and James Harden, remember this team. They were one game away from playing in an NBA final. The James Harden and Chris Paul duo. And a lot of people didn't think it could work. Two ball-dominant guys. But Mike D'Antoni put it together, put a bunch of shooters around him. They had what it took, and they just missed it by one game. Golden State, Chris Paul was injured in that game seven. And then you think about Chris Paul's career. What is Chris Paul known for? He's either known for missing that game seven against Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, or he's always going to be known here in Los Angeles especially for not coming to the Lakers because David Stern stepped in and nixed the trade. And instead, he goes to the Clippers. 
And I was a huge fan of Chris Paul at his Wake Forest days when he was with New Orleans Hornets. I liked Chris Paul's game. He was the prototypical point guard, got his teammates involved, and when it mattered most, he could put the ball in the hoop. He could score with the best of them. And he will go down as a top five point guard ever. Ever in the history of the game. Magic, Stockton, Isaiah, Chris Paul. He's bunched in that group. He might not have the winning, the championships to belong there. Neither is John Stockton. But we know how good John Stockton was. But Chris Paul, without a doubt, is one of the best point guards to ever play the game of basketball. And in this series against the Houston Rockets, he reminded us of it. In this game six, Oklahoma City was down and out. They might have fell behind by more than double digits. And in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul went vintage point god. By the way, one of the greatest nicknames ever in the history of sports. Point god for a point guard. And Chris Paul, in that final five minutes of that game, put Oklahoma City on his back. And I was a fan of Chris Paul. And I kind of soured on him. Because I didn't like the chirping. I didn't like the flopping. Every time out, he's yelling at a ref. He's yelling at a teammate. He's chirping with the other team. He's just competitive. He's one of the most competitive guys you'll ever see play in the game of basketball. I think he does a little dirty stuff. That's why I kind of moved away from him. He'll throw a couple elbows below the waist. He'll even throw a knuckle punch below the waist. We've seen it time and time again. But man... When Jeff Green got switched on him, I think, two or three different times in the final minutes of that game, he put him in a blender like he always does. 18 to 15 feet, he's basically automatic. And he put Houston Rockets, he said, yo, Houston, you guys traded me. We're not going home. We're going to seven games. You guys traded me to Oklahoma City. And then when I got traded to Oklahoma City, People still counted me out and said my contract's too much. They got to try to ship me away. No, actually, I still have something left. And shout out to Chris Paul for that. And if you look at it from the Lakers' perspective, who they want to play, Houston or OKC, I think they would more likely want to play OKC because I don't think OKC has the experience. It's Chris Paul and a bunch of young players. Sprinkled in with a couple vets. Danilo Gallinari's there. Steven Adams has been around for a while. But then you got Shea Gilgis Alexander. Terrence Ferguson. Lou Dort, who's been a bubble star trying to lock up James Harden. Because we know how good Houston could be. We know their small ball lineups, but we know James Harden could get his 50. We know Russell Westbrook can go off for a 40 or 50 point game. I don't think the Lakers want to deal with those two. So take on OKC. I'm rooting for Chris Paul to knock out Houston because that's a great comeback story. I love when players get counted out. I love two weeks ago when everyone was talking about Paul George not being worth all the dollars, all the assets the Clippers traded away, shooting less than 25%, I think, from the field, and then goes out and puts up 42 points. That's what I like. That's what makes sports great. Don't count out these guys. They're the best in the world. That's why I'm rooting for Chris Paul to point God to make an OKC Lakers series happen. And then we could start the second round in the Western Conference. But for now, we got the Eastern Eastern Conference. And the best game I've seen in the bubble thus far was game one between the Miami Heat and Milwaukee Bucks. 
And I know I'm spewing. And I might have said it before on here that I wasn't the biggest Jimmy Butler fan. I don't think he could be the best player on a championship team. But this Miami team is a fun watch. And you know why? Because they're not just like every other team. The new wave of basketball takes a million three-point shots a game. Miami's got a bunch of dudes who play different styles of basketball. Remember Goran Dragic? I think he was Steve Nash's backup when we first heard about him. And when Steve Nash went down, I think it was a series against the Spurs and Dragic put up 30. We said, who the hell is this guy? And I feel like he's been around for 15 years and he put up 30 in game one. And it's all just floaters to the hoop. For whatever reason, this guy was able to get through the lane and toss up floaters all game long against the Milwaukee Bucks, who had the best defense all season long. And then when it counted, Jimmy Butler, he was a dog last year when the Philadelphia Sixers when they needed guys at the end of the game to step up. Jimmy Butler just happens to be that guy. And I like Jimmy Butler because he doesn't take threes. I think he take, took less than two three-pointers a game this season. And he just always seems to be in the right spot. He always has position down low to lay it in. His mid-range game is there. And I think he scored, I think he went on an own personal 11-0 run. To put the Bucks away in game one. I think it was a 115-104 to 104 final. And the way Miami locked down Giannis. Terrific basketball. And that's why I've been down on the Bucks. If you could even shut down Giannis a little bit. Giannis almost had a triple-double. But he only had 12 shots taken with 5 minutes left in the go in the game. And he scored less than 25 points. Because Miami said, hey, let's let the other guys beat us. Let's do whatever it takes to not let Giannis get in the lane and slam dunk it because he's the best freaking athlete in the world. It was an amazing performance by Miami. I tell people don't put too much into game ones, but Miami is a team to be reckoned with. They're phenomenal. And they didn't get much out of Duncan Robinson, who chills behind the three-point line. I think 88% of his points ever in the league have been behind the three-point line. Tyler Hero only scored 11. Bam Adebayo had a great game. I think he almost had a, I think it was 11, 18, and 5. He's another athlete. I mean, Miami is a team you want to watch, and it's just a different flavor. That's why I like it. Away from the three-point game that every team seems to be doing, taking threes at a rapid pace, Miami says, nope, we got guys that can do a whole lot of different things. And you probably never heard of them. Or you haven't heard of him in a while, like Goran Dragic, the most underrated player of all underrated players of all time. So Miami has a 1-0 lead in that series. And then you jump over to the other Eastern Conference second round, and that's the Boston Celtics versus the Toronto Raptors. And I tweeted out before the bubble started saying, don't be surprised if the Boston Celtics make it to the NBA Finals. And I got slack for that. Probably because I'm a Laker fan, but also I just like the Celtics starting lineup. And I'm a huge Jason Tatum guy. That's not a Duke bias. I just go back to when Jason Tatum played in seven games against the Cle- or Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James and took it to him. He was the leading scorer on that Celtics team with Kyrie injured, led his team in scoring, and took LeBron James and the Cavs to seven games. There's something to be said for that. And in game two, he scored 34 points while Kemba Walker started the game 0 for 8. And they were saved by a guy named Marcus Smart, who I absolutely love. A defensive threat, but in this game, he scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Hit four three-pointers. Had a four-point play. Played out of this world. There was memes going around that he somehow became Larry Bird for six minutes in that fourth quarter. 
and sent the Toronto Raptors into a 2-0 hole. Beware of the Boston Celtics. I don't really like their bench, but they have three guys who scored over 20 points averaging this season. No team has done that. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They're out. They're without Gordon Hayward for six weeks. Their bench could be a little bit better. I don't like Wanamaker, Grant Williams. They just don't have much to offer there. But I think they can compete with any other of the three teams that are left in the Eastern Conference. And I really want... Jason Tatum was the guy I spoke about in the beginning. I think he's a future MVP. I truly believe that. And as much as I hated on Jimmy Butler and said he's not the best player on a championship team, that's the matchup I want in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. Let's see which one of those guys, Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. Just for my own, I just, I'm selfish. I want Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum to go head-to-head in a conference finals to see which player steps up. It would be a sight to see. That's what I'm hoping for. So that's what we have in, bas- in the NBA right now. And it's been terrific basketball. Shout out to these players. And if you have an issue with them boycotting games, probably don't listen to this podcast. You can't separate the two of you. You can't just watch ball and enjoy it. And you let other things disturb you or get in your head. I mean, you didn't like sports in the first place. Basketball is a beautiful game, and I'm so happy these players are out there playing the game. Fire me up. But in the Western Conference, it's going to be Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. And Eastern Conference, I'm hoping for Miami-Boston. And when the NBA Finals comes around, you damn well know that I'm rooting for a Celtics-Lakers NBA Finals. Because that's what we need in a year like this. Let's jump over to the MLB. So the Dodgers didn't make a move at the trade deadline. Feels like the first time in forever. But obviously, they signed Mookie Betts right before the season started. Their run differential right now is plus 90. And no other team is plus 50. It's insane how much they're winning games. I mean, they're 27-10 and 10 right now. Think about that pace in a regular 162-game season. I mean, they would beat their own record of 106 wins. Truly, they're beating up on teams. Kershaw's looked phenomenal. Walker Bueller got activated today. He's been inconsistent this year, but we know what he's capable of doing. Alex Wood's been injured. So the rotation has had their issues. Julio Urias seems to give up either seven runs in the first inning. And once he gets past that first inning, he's golden. They got the young guns, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. And that's why the one trade the Dodgers did make was to ship out a guy I really like, and that's Ross Stripling. But fact of the matter is, Ross Stripling wasn't going to make a difference this year because his ERA was 5.61, and he had allowed the most home runs in baseball. So they shipped him out for two players to be named later. And at this point, how can we question anything Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations, does? I guarantee you those two players to be named later that we got from the Toronto Blue Jays will turn out to be studs. Everything Andrew Friedman does has turned into gold. That's just it. Why would we question this guy? And the Padres thinking they're closing the gap. I think it's so cute. It's adorable. The Padres are the newborn that everyone wants to hold. National media, oh, the Padres are the most 
fun team to watch. They're so fun. Fernando Tatis, bat flips, everything. Leading the league in homers. How could the Rangers dare get mad at this guy? They're fun. So the Padres made seven trades. Got Austin Nola from the Seattle Mariners, the catcher. They got Mike Clevenger. They got a couple bullpen arms. But at the end of the day, what's that going to do? Because if the Padres were as good as people think they are, and it's a 16-team playoff. I mean, if this was a regular 162-game season, they might, they might fade away. We don't know. But if they're as good as people have talked about them as, they would have already been closing the gap on the Dodgers. But they're five games out. We played them for the last time in two weeks. Can't wait for that one. And I said, bring it on. Let the Padres try to get competitive. Because God knows it's been forever since they've even posed a threat to anyone. A couple other teams tried to make moves. I think uh, the A's got Mike Miner from the uh, Texas Rangers. Lance Lynn was rumored to go to the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers basically just said, we've got the young guys and we've got depth in the bullpen to win the whole damn thing. And there's not an absolute bona fide starter who can make a difference in the postseason that we could trade for. So why would we do it? Why? Let's get rid of Strip and let's let the young guys get a couple more starts. Because those are going to be the guys that we're going to rely on in the postseason. We can't rely on a guy that has a 5.61 ERA. But Ross Stripling, God bless the guy. By all accounts, one of the greatest guys in the clubhouse. Every single player Instagrammed a message to him after finding out the news that he got traded. So that's a bummer. But other than that, like Lance Lynn being linked to the Dodgers, what postseason resume does that guy have where he could come in and say, hey, I'm going to win this thing for the Dodgers. Move out of the way, Kershaw and Bueller. Even though you guys have made World Series starts. There just wasn't a dude. And the last previous years, there was a dude. Machado, Darvish, those guys were the guys. They would make a difference. So let's move on to the NFL. If you're a fantasy football player, it's the best time of the year. Because you could chirp... After the draft, during the draft, I mean, even two days after our fantasy football drafts this weekend, we're rattling some cages. In New Orleans, you got a situation. Alvin Kamara, running back, who was a top five guy in fantasy mocks leading up to the thing. In my auction draft, he went for 90 plus dollars. And then it comes out that he misses three practices for contract-related reasons, and that's a no-go. Last year, for the first time, I got involved in one of those with Melvin Gordon, and it was awful. You just constantly read news updates. So is this guy going to come back? What's the latest update? Are they even negotiating? When can he come back? I reached out to my good friend who's in the biz, Big Ryan Music. Shout out to him. I said, hey, what are you hearing about Alvin Kamara? He basically said Saints called his bluff. He's asking for Christian McCaffrey money. He's not going to get it. And in the new CBA, there's no such thing as a holdout. So I think owners, that's a sigh of relief for you. Joe Mixon, same thing. The Bengals actually ended up paying him. I think four years north of $60 million. 
So that's good for that. Myself, listen, I haven't won a fantasy league in probably, it's been years, especially these two most important ones. And even previously, I mean, I was like Bart Starr. Before the Super Bowl era, I have a couple of rings, but no one remembers them or no one cares. So I, the only time I've ever remembered winning a fantasy league is when I had Tom Brady on my team. And if you listen to this podcast, you know much, you know how much I hate Tom Brady. But in the sixth round, he was laying around, and I said, mm, I think this is the year I'm going to get Tom Brady. I had the number one pick overall, got Christian McCaffrey. And then second time around, I got o- Odell Beckham Jr. Because you know you have to wait. It's a 14-team league, the snake draft. That's the only downfall of having the first pick. You have to wait a long damn time. And then I got Mozart, Raheem Mozart for the Niners. And then I got Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Austin Hooper, Marlon Mack. That's all you need to know. I'm not going to dive too. I'm not going to dive too deep into my team. No one wants to hear that. But I will say this. The worst part, I mean, maybe one of the worst feelings ever. And this is this is a Cody complaint. So at the last, these drafts take way too long. They're like three hours long. Especially when you're drinking, you get too tired of the damn thing. So probably between rounds 11 and 15 or however long we go, I get tired of it. And having round the first pick overall, you have to wait for it to come back to you. So I got in the jacuzzi. And tell me a worse feeling than having to get in a jacuzzi and then get out. Like having to get out. In a jacuzzi, you should get out on your own time. So when these dudes are calling for me saying, hey, your pick's up when I'm five picks away, it's just a bummer. I mean, that freezing cold when you get out of a jacuzzi, I don't want that feeling. When I go in a jacuzzi, I want to get out on my own damn time. So maybe it was my fault. Maybe that's my mistake for getting in the jacuzzi. Or it's their mistake for planning two drafts in one damn day because I've always said it's too much. But please, one of the worst feelings ever is getting out of the jacuzzi when you don't want to. Terrible. And I'll finish the podcast on a botch of the week. I said it was a new segment I was going to do, and here's a big-time botch. This is a big botch. The Oklahoma Sooners football kicks off their season on September 12th against Missouri State. And they have the audacity to put this shit on pay-per-view and charge anyone who dares to buy the damn thing $54.99. Listen up. College football better not go the pay-per-view route. And they sure as hell shouldn't even dare to go that route if it's the Oklahoma Sooners taking on the Missouri State whoever's. I mean, they might blow them out 56 to three. I mean, this is a small school. This is what they call a tune-up game, a cupcake game. And the Sooners really think people are going to buy this game. I mean, if anyone outside of the state of Oklahoma buys this pay-per-view event between Oklahoma Sooners and Missouri State, you are out of your damn mind. That's not a game you want to pay for. I mean, they don't even charge us for the Super Bowl every year. 
If you're going to charge anyone for any football game ever on pay-per-view, the only time people are even going to think about buying it is the Super Bowl. Not an Oklahoma Sooners Missouri State football game. And I'm sure people in Oklahoma will buy that shit right off the shelf. Because they're diehards out there. I know how they take college football. But for them to even float that, I don't even know if it's for sure. It was just a rumor going around yesterday. That, hey, Oklahoma, they're going to play Missouri State on September 12th on pay-per-view, $54.99. In a time like this, you want to say you, I, I have to pay for my football? Pay-per-view? Like, at least Oklahoma, Texas say that. Oklahoma, Missouri. But Missouri State? Are you out of your mind? That's the botch of the week. And I hope every other college university says, Oklahoma, what in the hell are you doing? Stay off the drugs. And I really, in my perfect world, I hope no one apps, I, I hope no one buys it. Not one person thinks about buying that. I don't even know their reasoning. Like if the college kids maybe one pay-per-view game, they could get some of the profit from it. But make it a better game that people are going to buy. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But Missouri State. In this day and age. In this time we're living. Just out of insane. Insane. Oklahoma. You need a gut check. So that's all I have for this podcast. Of course I jumped on here spewing. It's Wednesday, September 2nd. I got a haircut scheduled today. Need it badly. The neck hairs are coming in. Probably one of the worst parts. But I'm fired up for sports. This month's going to be a big one. With all the major sports playing at the same time, it's Christmas if you're a sports fan. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 and on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Thank you.